0: Hi everyone, I'm excited this week for Queer Cultured Podcast. I am Monica Rose, and I have a very special guest. But before I introduce them, I want to remind you that you can find me on Spotify, iTunes, and on Queerculture.com. And you can support my podcast by engaging me with this YouTube video or listening to me. Um, or you can also support us on Patreon. And this week we're going to be discussing the queer experience, the trans experience, the queer history, and education, and so much more. And without further ado, here is Dawn. Hi, Dawn. I hope I pronounced your name properly. Welcome. (coughs) We just finished filming a video on Dawn's YouTube channel, a Get Ready With Me video. It was 90 minutes long. We talked about some of our queer experience there as well. So if you watch this video once you've finished, if you like it or if you're listening, check out Dawn's video. I will have theirs linked in the description. It is really good. We hit on a lot of topics that we may not be able to cover in this week's episode, but I am so excited. So. First off, did I pronounce your name properly? I'm always so nervous.
1: You absolutely pronounced my name properly. I picked Dawn as a name because of its ambiguity uh, and its androgyny. Because if people aren't sure about my gender, at least they can say it right. And um, I always do the courtesy of telling people how to spell it if they ask. If they ask what my name is, and they're writing it on a clipboard, I'll just spell it out for them. And then they'll have to do like a double take, but once the double take has finished, they're like, Oh, okay. I get it.
0: Yes, and I think that's a really good point. So I've had my name legally changed twice. I'm not going to bring up my dead name on my podcast. Although I've known you since I've changed my name more than once. But Mm -hmm. having Mm -hmm. a gender-neutral androgynous name, I think, can be really great. And, like, it can keep people safe in the trans community. It can sometimes prevent you from being outed or put you into awkward circumstances. There can be negatives with choosing, like, the same name or similar name. But every person's name choosing experiences part of their own journey. Which I think is, mm-hmm. like, really great to touch on. So I was just going to go back to, like, what was the origin of your name? But I think you just hit on that. So, like... We are definitely great there. So um,
1: um my my name Don, uh, represents like a new beginning and um and I felt like Don was like a name that would ex uh that would produce that. And um I, I actually went through another name. I because um my Turkish name my Turkish male name, I'm happy to share it, is okay. uh, Gal, Galwood. And, I, and don't worry, I don't expect anyone else to be comfortable with their dead name. But I, I, it was Dawood, which means beloved. And That's so beautiful. um Thank you. And so if people can pronounce it right, I, I let people call me that. But it's mostly just family that calls me that. Uh, they've all been very supportive. In the, and the name Dawn has, is something they've all caught on to. But the cutest thing ever is my mom. Specifically, if she gets my name wrong, she usually just calls me her sister's name. And oh, that's nice. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I, I'm I have a similar personality to my aunt that she sometimes mistakes my name with. And I, I
0: take it as um a, a nod, like a, a good thing. Yes. So speaking of names, I think I'll just give you this opportunity now if you want to promote any of your social media and then we can like tie that back in at the end of the video as well.
1: Yeah, my Instagram is snip snip yyc uh, with the at symbol. So it's snip snip um, and then the letters yyc.
0: Okay, I will include that in the video description. Um, And also I do want to say to everybody watching, if you do have any questions throughout the podcast, if you want to leave them in the comments, and hopefully Dawn will come back in when this video is live and reply to questions, comments. Hopefully you don't mind if people want to ask you get to know more. Dawn is also a YouTuber, as I said in the intro, so I will be sharing the video. That way everything can be kind of connected together. I know, so my podcast is on the queer culture and like gender identity, the trans experience. Um, has your what is your gender identity and your your identity like? How do you define yourself?
1: So when it comes to identity politics, I identify as a female and I prefer female pronouns. He, she, sorry, she, her. Um, yes. I do. I do accept uh, they, them, but I don't necessarily like promote that. I. I feel like I try to present as a female, and I hope that people catch on to that. Um,
0: but uh, yeah, so female—that's that's my identity. yes. Do you identify like as like queer or any other like straight um, or like open, or if you don't want to talk about like other parts of that, that's very fine.
1: No, I'm more than happy to discuss. Uh, to discuss that, I um um we're so sorry
0: uh are we yeah on the that's fine.
1: Of sexuality was that the question my yes my yes, yes yes yes
0: like oh, the queer beautiful. experience
1: yeah i do identify as queer i feel like it's a word that we've reclaimed since the 90s because yes. in the 90s there was a lot of homophobia and even in the show friends there's so much homophobic jokes and at the time that was what you did so like it didn't age well let's say that and and it's not to say that it's a bad show they played up the humor of that time and so and maybe now it's problematic but anyway so so i identify as a female i am attracted to the person so i guess Oddly enough, I think it's called demisexual. So when I have a really special emotional connection with either a male or a female or people who are gender variants, that's kind of, like, how I would define my sexuality. But for ease of convenience and not having to explain myself, I'm bi.
0: Okay, that's, like, this is, like, one of the reasons, like, in, like, the trans community, like, for me, like, I represent a lot of the trans community. Not all of it, but, like, I'm... Very trans, and a lot of people take our experience and just assume that all trans females are straight or only attracted to men or only there to please men. So it's nice that you brought in other points of view for that as well. Because what I just described, like being non straight, I think, is, like, a very big misconception in the trans community. And, like, Mm -hmm. I even had someone commenting last week on my YouTube channel to be like, can you talk about that? And it's like, that's something that's, like, really important to highlight. And not just my own experience, but other people's experience, too. Have you... Has your, like, gender identity being trans ever... Given you any obstacles or problems like in your day to day life? Yeah, I'm hitting with uh, these hard questions. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it, Monica. I welcome it. It is gorgeous. I'm happy to answer. Um, definitely, I think being a human, we're we're automatically subject to problems. Um, but everyone's problems probably take form in slightly different shapes and and so on. Um, so I've kind of in a sense like feeling like a female on the inside has kind of complicated some things in my life but not in a way that you'd expect not in a bad way but um yeah so like uh the way that I take care of my body and my face the way that um uh, all the cleaning rituals and hygienic rituals that I do um all, all these things contribute to um, like a completely different life than when I lived as a male and so uh, has it presented obstacles absolutely um, I'm definitely I'm gonna be real I am high maintenance I, I take a yes. lot of care everything from head to toe my hair my feet even like I have a lot of stuff that I do for my feet and and things Some like care that is
0: important mm
1: yeah and so self-care is time-consuming and i love it and it's also expensive and i love it yeah and uh, (laughs) so so um i guess sometimes it's problematic if i it like say i'm i actually have one of the coolest families i've i sort of blooshed my gender identity onto them and and they just kind of got used to it like i i know that a lot of trans people what they prefer to do is um move to a different city and start fresh yes and I, I did that, that. into that yeah and that's brave it's scary and it's i give all the kudos to everyone who's done that especially monica that's
0: amazing i took some really big risks when i was coming out and I was like, if I'm going to live my authentic life, then I Mm -hmm. want to have a backup plan. So if something does not go as well, like I have a very supportive, inclusive family. I didn't know how supportive they were at the time because they had a lot of people telling me in my ear that bad things happen to queer people and I believed them. So like, I Mm -hmm. when I told my family that... I came out I came out as queer, or I came out as gay before I came out as trans, and my family supported me with open arms, but and my family also helped finance some of my transition-related costs. But there was an unknown that I didn't know with my family, and I was like, well, if they don't support me or if they kick me out, at least I live on my own, and I'm in school, I'm in university, so it's like, if you... Disown me which is I think most trans people's biggest fear Mm -hmm. it's not a loss to me because I'm independent Mm -hmm. and I was really academic in school so that I could make that happen and like that was like something but I know not everybody has those cases and I, I dread the day that I have that interview with someone that's like I was kicked out I was homeless and like Because that is also a very real side of what has happened, especially for people that came out 10, 15, 20, 20 years ago. So, Mm -hmm. I guess, like, when did you start your self-discovery, like, finding out who you were?
1: Um, so, So, when I discovered who I felt on the inside... And the time in which I was ready to make some substantial changes was in 2010. Um, I I think there was probably some foresight along the way, suggesting that um, I felt like a female. Uh, In high school, I would wear cover-up because I had uh, a brutal case of acne. And my mom was the sweetest, and she's like, you can use my cover-up. And really what it was was a tinted moisturizer, to be specific. But it actually gave me, like, a lot of confidence. And then I started to dabble more. I remember buying my first lip balm was from MAC Cosmetics. And it had sunscreen in it and a vanilla scent. They don't have it anymore, but it was really popular in the time. Uh, And then, um, anyway, so, like, when I was in high school, all these girls would come to school with, like really interesting makeup, and the kind of makeup that you can really detect, like a bright red lip, um, like things that really are eye-popping, and they were just playing around, they were just learning, and I remember being so curious about it, I'm like, what makeup lens do you wear, why do you wear it, how do you wear it, uh, where can I get some, will you show me, like I was always a makeup curious person, and so I ended up falling into makeup school in Vancouver, British Columbia. And one of the, one of the tasks at hand was um, the, the, makeup, the makeup instructor wanted me to look dead in the mirror, like straight ahead so that she could analyze the face. And that was really the moment in time I felt like I feel like I'm a girl on the inside or a woman, a female. And, um, and the words that my instructor said were, when it comes time to learning drag makeup, David is not too far. And so that was like the moment in time where I'm like, okay, I feel like the woman. And, uh, yeah. So like, it was a big lesson to learn, but I'm glad that I learned it at the age I did. Uh, I was 19 years old when I felt that transgender feeling and, um, I felt like it was appropriate, actually, because um, I was slightly an adult, like adult yes. enough to make a decision. Because um, if I was fifteen years old, which is ideal, uh, like younger is better, in, be like before puberty, yeah. like your genetic puberty, mm-hmm. I mean. And so, uh, I'm just I'm just grateful that I waited till I was nineteen because people can be really bad bullies in high school. Yeah, and there's always scapegoats and low-hanging fruit in high school, and I really didn't want to perpetuate that. I wanted to wait until I was, like, more an adult and out of that toxic um, high school mentality.
0: I think part of, like, the trans people, like, I know even, like, a lot of queer people, like, some of, like there's a lot of self-preservation in our community for like what we can do to like keep ourselves safe and like there's like job discrimination there's safety there's like social injustice there's legal injustice there's like a lot of like forces like coming towards and like going against what like trans people face on like a regular basis and like even at like Uh, I'm not, I can't think of the proper, like, the term right now, but, like, even at, like, a government level, like, if you want to try to change your gender identity, your legal name, like, there's always steps, like, you have to have surgery before they change your gender designation in most places in Canada. At the time, when I changed mine, like, you had to have surgery, and then I helped get that changed, but, like, when you grow up in a system that's telling you no every step of the way to overcome that, to be like, you can choose yourself for once. It's like, it makes so much sense why we're in a situation where you have to wait till like you finish high school because everything that you've seen and experienced up until that point is telling, you no. And that may, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It that...
1: You, you have to rise above a lot of challenges and a lot of shortcomings and there will be disappointments I think one of the hardest parts about being trans is the limitations of what hormones can do for you. And what I mean by that is it won't really feminize a voice most of the time. And and there's like an expensive surgery and a specialist who does the surgery in Korea, South Korea, yasan Voice Clinic. And they do amazing work. Um, and... And so anyway, so my point was just it's a challenge when you have a deeper voice and, and you want to present as female. And um, one thing about being trans is I feel like it's a trans experience and a human experience. Absolutely. And experience. Yeah. Um, there's this underlying feeling of, um, I'm just going to call it pain, because you're worried. Yeah, it's true. I, it's real. Will I get hired? Will I get accepted on a date? And and as we were speaking earlier, like we're all afraid of rejection and um, especially from families, because like family is paramount. And I remember, like Monica, I totally came out as gay before I came out as trans. And uh, it was a different experience The two were quite different for me. And but fortunately, like my family has really stood by me. They love me for who I am you know and i feel really blessed to have yeah. such brothers that are so secure with themselves that they can just be themselves around me and i know that um like we're really really silly when we're all together and so the whole identity thing kind of falls to the floor and we leave it alone and um yeah i i think when you can if even if you don't have like a supportive family if you can find people that are supportive and love you for you, definitely find a tribe and try to stick with it. Because I think if you're looking for approval from people, you might be looking at the wrong people. Yeah. And so, because if you really want somebody's, like, you're, like, almost begging for people to like you, It you're looking at the wrong people. There's going to be people who are like, yep, you're a female, you're beautiful, and I love you kind of thing. And, like, and I that's think, the most please- important.
0: Queer people get to choose their family. Like, I've said this for like a very long time. Like, mm-hmm. you get to choose, like, those are the people that, like, I really care about. Those are the people that I want to protect. And, like, I'll, like, go to war for because, like, those are the people that, like, are there for you, especially as an adult when, like, your family isn't always going to be there or understand. And sometimes it's really hard to, like, confide in people if they don't understand all of. The struggles that you're going through and it's like it's sad but like not all of queer history not all of like our like history is like it's not all beautiful like it can be beautiful but like the process is definitely messy um has your mental health definitely like improved since you've transitioned
1: uh that's a wonderful question. I'm really glad you asked. Um, I've definitely had my journey with mental health and I'm grateful for all the tools that I've picked up along the way to help not only make me cope, but to help me thrive. And so um, being a woman now, being able to wear a dress, uh, even wearing a swimsuit, at, like after all these surgeries and, and efforts like hormone replacement, um it's amazing how i feel it's so empowering and it's so freeing to see that i resemble uh an idea of what i think a woman is so i have development my it's funny like i thought hormones would give me a coca-cola shaped bottle but in a sense it kind of gave me a pear-shaped
0: Yeah, And um,
1: like my thighs are huge and like all my pants rip in my thigh area for some reason. So um, that definitely came to me by surprise. But yes, it's very freeing. It's wonderful to finally be able to be in the body that I dreamt of as a boy. And I look back on Facebook. They have this thing called memories and I'll see photographs of me as a young boy and I'm just like who is that? <laughs> like, that's not even the same person anymore. So, yeah.
0: Does, you looking at, like, photos of your past, like, is that, like, a positive or a negative experience for you? Because I know some people hate it. Like, they absolutely, like, if you say my dead name, if you show me photos, it's like, people will go to war. Is that, like, how is that experience for you?
1: Honestly, um, I kind of see it for what it is. Like, like, it's not really my fault that um i happened to be male previously so but um i don't know i don't feel really embarrassed by the the baby photos of me or like you know growing up as like a young boy none of that really bothers me um it's it's sort of cute cuz i i can see how how much i look like my older siblings and stuff so there there there's that but like quite honestly monica i don't i don't really have any issues with it at least not right now
0: so i'm one of those people like i i love my younger photos of me like i love my growth but like, people say yeah. my dead name i mean sometimes like i like i often like i forget my dead name but if someone yeah. from my past dead names me it's mm-hmm. at the point i'm out of my transition it's out of a malicious intent and I don't yeah. have room for that, but like, if someone, if I'm at the park and someone has the same name as me and they yell that old name, I won't flinch, I won't look over, like, it's not me, like, it doesn't make, it doesn't get a response, but like, if mm-hmm. it's like, someone from like, the past, it's like, ooh, we don't like that, but like, I mean, anybody that has negative energy going into a conversation, it's never gonna go over well for them. Mm -hmm. Which I think is good, but thinking of like a positive note, I think we touched on this on your YouTube video about like religion, faith, like do you have like, does any of that like affect or like impact your transition or do you find yourself to be a spiritual person? Because Mm -hmm. I know like mixing that and transgender and queer and bi Mm -hmm. can be like a lot for like conventional religion.
1: Mm-hmm. This is such a a big question to present, yes. and I want to come at it at the right angle. Um, so here's the thing: I was raised Catholic, and my okay. dad is my dad is Muslim, and and not only am I Catholic in my upbringing, like the way that we pray and all that. Um, uh, my great uncles were bishops, so my grandpa was going to be a bishop but then changed his mind and then his two brothers were bishops and i actually have a high school in calgary named after him and so oh wow yeah so i kind of feel like i have like an ancestral line of of people who were religious or spiritual um so i do i will admit i have a spiritual side and i even have a religious side which is rare to hear most of my friends are pretty agnostic or atheist, and, and i respect that that's totally fine um but um uh, on the spiritual path i practice something called vedic meditation so it's an ancient practice from india and where you meditate 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening and you get assigned a, a mantra and not only do nice. you assigned a mantra from a special teacher, but you're not allowed to say the mantra to anyone ever. It's part of the sacredness of the practice. And then That's interesting. Yeah, this doesn't quite pair with that, but it, I make it work. Uh, I attend a church. I love the sense of community. I love singing because they, they have some really great musicians. Um, and yeah, yeah, community and musicians. And so it's it's very inclusive place, at least to me. Um, I I mean, I kind of stick out. I'm kind of like the sore thumb of the church. Was there any, like,
0: transition? Because, like, traditional religion really ostracized us for a long time. So, like, was there, like, a process that was, like, able to find something inclusive for people that do have faith that they want to seek out? Like, is there something there, or...? How did that? Well,
1: it's it's interesting. Um, around the time I wanted to transition at age nineteen, I also realized I wanted to attend church regularly, and so it took me almost a decade. A, no, actually, a little over a decade to finally make it happen. So I finally um, I was on a mission. This is about two years ago now, and I went to five different religious churches. I was on a mission. No, not like a missionary, but I was on a mission to find a church that would be like accepting of my who I am, my essence. And so um, I I guess the the type of religious churches or synagogues I went to, um, a lot of them had the similar thinking of like, you're a child of God, uh, but you can't have sex before marriage. And I'm just like who who does that <laughs> like i i'm sorry like i'm going to bang the way that i do kind of thing and anyways sorry yeah, yeah. that was kind of crude
0: it's fine. <laughs> so but it's I part finally... of our it's part of the culture
1: yeah <laughs> and so i went to um one church in the northern part of the city not too far north and it was mostly like seniors and stuff and um I had a really bad experience with this one couple. Um they were a much older couple and and that's fine. Um and they offered they were really welcoming at first and then they kind of like created a lot of excuses. Uh so they would they would be really sweet in person and then they would take it all back at a later date. And then um I actually oh, I don't like that. Yeah. I went to another church and they were super accepting Um, in terms of the sermon. I don't really remember much of what they were talking about it. I, I don't know if I really vibed with it, but they were the sweetest people. They uh, included me in a women's group. Uh, we had desserts after women's group, but like they were really cool about their, their place of worship was in the deep South, like really deep South of Calgary. And I was like, I don't drive. So it wasn't really practical. Even with our transit system, no offense to the transit system, but like there's no way I could wake up on a Sunday and get my butt down like a 40 minute drive, but on a bus sort of thing. Not happening, not realistic, at least not now. Um, and then I went to a couple like Catholic churches because I figured, well, I was raised Catholic. Maybe, maybe the Catholic parish is where I'm supposed to be. And then, um, like I was saying, like, I'm a child of God, but I'm not allowed to have sex before marriage. And I just have to to be honest with myself. That's not not practical. Like, that's not happening for me. Um, Anyway, so I was at my very wit's end. And after the fourth church, I see one last church. And um, they were so sweet to me. And they still are. And I've had a few... You know, I've had some interesting experiences there, but uh, everything seems to work out. And at first, uh, I, like, I feel celebrated there. Like, I feel supported and connected. And, um, yeah, like, and the thing about church is, like, it's a way to have community. Yeah, It's a way to have third-party objective advice because they know you kind of on a superficial level, but not necessarily on an intimate right away. Yeah, and so I really adore that I I, because like when you're at work you have your work crew if you're in school you have your school friends and so but if you're not really working a lot or or schooling a lot it's nice to have a community and I find that the parish that I'm with they're really really awesome people to me and that's kind of like bottom line (laughs) sorry that was long winded I know
0: I think I'm going to point off on like a few different things there I think for like Queer people, trans people, and even people in general. It's always good to get like non-biased advice in your life, whether it's on relationships, spirituality, religion, like ethics, like conflicts, like getting feedback from people that you don't necessarily see in your day to day life is really excellent because you see it through a different lens, and if something gets you really worked up, if you have people in your circle that maybe have like malicious intent, they might not necessarily tell you what you need to hear and they tell you what you want to hear. And it's really good to have people in your life that tell you what you need to hear because, like, that can take people down really dark paths. And I do also want to know to the people listening, to the people watching. And also, if you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, queerculture.com, I have like an interview set questions. Like, there's a questionnaire on my website that you can fill out and it'll tell you how to become a guest. And on my questionnaire that I have, I do have a set of questions and topics for my podcast of things that. I do and I don't talk about because I don't want to get into situations with people to be like oh don't talk about this don't talk about this like that way so like if I'm asking like invasive questions like we've already reviewed the questions and topics because I know not everybody's like oh I would love to be here and hang out with you but they don't want to talk about religion I don't talk about religion with everybody because of like the differences or politics because so I just want to add that if someone's like wow Monica is really going in on all of these questions I don't want someone to be like oh no like what's going on like why are you saying that so like I do want to say that these questions have been kind of filtered before I ask them so like there's like no surprises so like we know what we're not talking about today and if you want to know what that is you see it no I'm kidding I'm teasing but I do for have cool. like a few more questions and I'm super excited thank you again for being here. And let's go back on to, like, my next set. Um, Have you found, like, has, like, made... Oh, wait, because you mentioned that you lived in two different places in Canada. So, British... Like, the, for people that aren't familiar with Canada, it is a pretty liberal country. Um, Sometimes it, like, switches to being a bit conservative. The province in canada that you live in is a red state red province or it's very conservative british columbia is i kind of like we have like canada is like really interesting so for like we have multiple political parties like we have like liberals we have which would be kind of like the democrats we have republicans or like conservatives which would be like republicans we have new democratic party which is kind of they're kind of a little bit left and then we have like a few smaller independent parties and british columbia is an orange province the last time i checked which is a little bit more left to center toronto where i live is also an orange city but it's a red province if that makes sense but how have you found living in British Columbia versus Alberta. For people that are trans that may think, I want to move to a new city, which one would you recommend for those people? Oh, I love this
1: question. Um, the thing is, I can't speak on behalf of like, different provinces. I can only speak on my own anecdotal experience. Yeah. And it would it, it, it can be a bit limiting because, um, the time I lived in Vancouver was quite short so I feel like I don't have an extensive way to like review comparing uh where I live in Calgary to Vancouver. Um I think people for the most part people are people all over the world and um and I mean Canada's a relatively safe place to be yourself. Yeah. Doesn't matter the race, the orientation, etc. Uh when I lived in Vancouver I was basically presenting as a gay guy. And what I mean by that is like, I was kind of experimenting a little bit. Like I was wearing high-waisted tights and I would wear wigs and I would, um, yeah, like really embellish in like androgyny and girly things. That's just how I like to be. And this is slightly before I started my transition, I should mention. And I actually had a bit of some homophobic experiences. Once was in the elevator of my, um, I was in an elevator of the condo I was living in. And there was this couple, it was a girl and a guy, and they were on the same elevator as me. And this guy was like, you could tell he was fuming. He was like, "Oh, I shouldn't have said the F word, but you know, like, I won't bleep like, that out. Yeah. Thank- thanks Monica. I appreciate that. <laughs> And I shouldn't have, I, yeah. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's part of the queer experience. experience.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then um, I think I was going to a free concert downtown during the Olympics. And so um, I can't even remember the artist who was performing, but I was in a big lineup. And some of the people who were surrounding me at the lineup, I was by myself. Uh, It was a little scary and dis- disarming or whatever the word is and um yeah so i had a few homophobic experiences over in vancouver but keep in mind i was presenting kind of experimentally so maybe that's what set people off and then um in calgary i have had some homophobic responses as well as transphobic but um uh to a lesser degree i find and Um, the culture of Vancouver is so different from the culture of Calgary, I find, um, on the Canada line, which is like an underground magnetic electric train. Um, people are quiet, like people keep to themselves. They're like in their own world. Whereas in Calgary, if you catch a bus, you'll see people talking, you'll see the bus driver talking to, uh, a patient, patient, a person on the bus or you'll see, like, a senior talking to the people behind them. And, like, I think Calgary and Alberta is known for its friendliness, and I would definitely endorse that. Like, I think it's a pretty friendly place overall. Uh, but also keep in mind, uh, even though it's a big, big enough city, uh, there's definitely crime that can happen downtown. And I try not to spend too much time downtown, 'Cause there is a quite a bit of riffraff there that is the crime offsetting.
0: is the crime based on like identity, like hate crime, or is it more like drug or Probably
1: more like drug based okay. things? Like yeah, like I think um I mean I feel really bad for people who are struggling with addiction because yeah, that's all same. they ever want that's all they ever want and they're willing to go to any extent even breaking their character like lying or stealing or you know threatening people anything just to get what a hit addiction whatever it is Mm -hmm.
0: very painful it's really there's also a lot of like um it's sad when like mental health, like, addiction also interjects with, like, the queer community. Because, like, Mm -hmm. that is, like, it's really painful to see, because, like, we have so many struggles just existing that it becomes, like, in addition to, like, one struggle, it's, like, it's compounding, it's, like, okay, like, you have to do with, like, mental health. And then it's self-destructive behavior that's, like... just want everybody to like be their best versions of themselves and like some people don't have a full deck to start out and it's so much harder for them Mm -hmm. it's so sad well like Uh our
1: our hill to climb as a trans person is steep enough already but to to add insult to injury being homeless or having an addiction while being trans like that only exacerbates Everything, every problem gets slightly worse and and then it compounds like you're saying. Um, it, it does definitely break my heart when I have uh, trans people being rejected by their family or not even accepted at their workplace, like when people get laid off and and it's based on something as basic as our uh, our gender identity. Um, it is heartbreaking to see that. Like And I
0: feel that people always know if you're being discriminated against because of your identity or because of your privilege or lack of privilege. And like it's it's sad. Um so one thing that I wanted to like point out because due with like different user experience in different parts of Canada and the world for future guests. Was your, because you talked about, like, your medical transition, like, was that easy for you to get access to information to start to go through that process? When you're, like, I'm trans, I want to do the next step for me. Was that Mm -hmm. easy, like, to find information for that?
1: Well, um, so what happened was, um, um, I was in Calgary and I was deciding like I had come home from Vancouver and um, and I knew in my heart I wanted to get the steps going. I figured uh, before I mature my male puberty completely, I'd like to interject that with blockers and hormones so that I can be like, you know, as feminine as I can get based on how far I am in life and things like that. And, um, yeah, so what I did was um, I, I did my research. I had a laptop. I pulled up Google. Google was pretty accessible then. Uh, and this is about uh, 12 years ago, I think. Like 2010 math right. area. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember Googling, like, Alberta Trans Resource. And it was the funniest webpage ever. It looked like it was designed in the 90s. It never got a revamp at all. And, um, and so it had various links. One of the links was for laser hair removal. Another was for a therapist that caters to transgender individuals working through these dysphoric feelings. There was a section for...
0: Was um, this website, if you remember, was it like a white website with two columns on it? Um, or was it, like, a rainbow-colored website?
1: Honestly, it's been a very long time. I, I okay, I just, I remember
0: there were two from that time frame that were really popular. There was Susan's was a blog, and then there was, like, there were two others. There was one, it was, like, rainbowhealth.org or something. I don't remember it exactly. And then there was another one. And, like, it was, like, a white website, and I remember them saying, like, if you have big hands, don't wear red nail polish because it will draw attention to your hands. It's always stood out for me. But, like... Oh, so funny. I I <laughs> think I remember one of the websites that you're... Right, because the internet was really small in 2012. Or 2010 for trans yep. health. Like Yeah. So, so one like, of
1: the things that I did uh, because I wanted to learn more about the trans community, I actually followed a couple people online on YouTube who are trans and they were talking about their experience. So there is this one, um, she was a snowboarder and she was trans and she started her transition um, and how she did it was she would dress as a female, like because she was male to female, she would dress as a female while she would ski. And... Then slowly incorporated being uh, wearing girl stuff, uh, hair, nails, makeup, clothing um, into her work life. And she even joined like a, a women's soccer league, which I thought was really cool. And then um, there's this other, other YouTuber named Grishno. And so they had a big following. She, she had many steps that she went through to become a female. And because she had such a big following, she decided, I want to create, like, a Facebook, uh, but for trans people. So I kind of did something, I don't know if it's shady, I don't know how to describe it, but I decided (laughs) to add a lot of the people that followed Grishno. So I went on Grishno's Facebook page, and I started adding all these people, and the majority of them were uh, trans women from the States. So I think I would say I have like 40 acquaintances from the States who are trans women. And, um and so that was really inspiring and hopeful, hopeful because I didn't really have like any figure in my life that was trans that I could talk to. I didn't have an aunt. I didn't have a cousin who was trans. I was literally, it was a shot in the dark almost because I, I didn't really know enough about it, but, uh, the journey is enriching. It's definitely worth it. Uh, but you have to be brave and you have to be cautious.
0: So. I feel like for that period of time, a lot of people's social networks were just exploding because this was still when like Facebook was still very new to a lot of people. I was on Facebook. I think I started my Facebook account I made in 2006. And I went clubbing a lot. Like I went to a lot of gay bars and... I knew a lot of people, and, like, I used to go clubbing, and, like, I met a lot of people because I lived in, like, I lived in, I went to University in Kingston, I moved to Ottawa, I lived in Montreal, I lived in Halifax, I moved back to Ottawa, and then I lived in Toronto, and, like, I lived, I went to every gay bar, like, across Canada, and I met a lot of people, and I kept, like, this was right when, like, social media was exploding, so, like, I had a lot of people, and it was always, like, who was that friend there with, so, like, everybody's community at this point was like growing. So like, I don't think, I think it was like really common for queer people and trans people and like most people at the time to like engage with people that they didn't know. And it's almost it's weird because like, I don't think it was like, if that were to happen in like 2022, it may be kind of like, it may be kind of weird, but like for that time, I think it was like extremely normal. And like, I think that is like really key to know that like that behavior in 2010, I think was extremely normal. And like, I had a lot of people that I didn't know, but knew with people that I knew and like, it was a safe place to add people. If you knew someone, if you knew someone that they knew someone. And I know I'm not going to mention anybody's names because I respect their privacy, but I know we have a lot of mutual friends from that we've known for like 12 years. And I think this is how, before we like started recording this podcast, we were talking about we've known people for like 12 plus years together. We've had a lot of mutual friends in our community through social media, through adding those people on Facebook, through I think Nexopia, Instagram, Mm -hmm. and Facebook before I deleted my account, which is so wild. Like the trans community is so small but like you know people and i think this is like a common story that a lot of people have is that you know someone or you know someone who knows someone and if you like especially like in like surgery it's like oh i know someone that had the same surgeon as you or if you have surgery like Mm -hmm. there's only like five doctors that do these surgeries so it's like i know them or oh you know that surgeon Or, or like We know these people are, oh, I was in the hospital with this person, or like (laughs) the the trans communities, like our six degrees of separation is so small, it's so small. I love it so much because like, there's like a sisterhood for a lot of people that like, it keeps you safe because if something happens, like everybody knows about it, which can also be a bad thing, but have good intentions yeah
1: i would have to add to that um in 2010 actually like my early 20s i'm now 31 but in my early 20s i did a lot of clubbing i had a solid group of friends that we would nightclub a lot and um i'm glad that i did it because it was kind of like a way to remember uh very young being being a youth uh just not afraid to dance and just enjoy yourself and be free and no one cares about like labels in the club. You're just dancing and you're sweating. You're having the best time ever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's a very, um, it, it's kind of the hub in terms of like the, um, the queer culture in Calgary. I think there's a lot of queers that don't love the nightclub aspect. And so like, I, I don't know, like when I first started going to this nightclub in Calgary, there were probably like ten regulars and like it kind of felt like that was like the main people in Calgary that were that were out that were queer. And um I don't know. I feel I feel like queers we have our we have each other. Uh which is super critical. And um but also, I feel like we're more integrated. Like, I think, like, mm-hmm. if we came out in the 90s, Monica, I feel like there'd be this sort of shock value aspect of our transition. But because things have transformed over time, I, I feel like people don't see us as shock value anymore. I think they're like, oh, this person really strongly identifies as a female. I think people are starting to really see us for who we yeah. are and how we feel. Uh, whereas in the past i think they would associate us with things like maury povich yeah. jerry springer oh even oprah probably like
0: yeah and there and was so like, like
1: I don't have a better reputation than that
0: like i came out as gay in 1997 and then like that was through like my like middle school high school and then like after that like i came out as trans once again i didn't come out as gay to everybody because it's not everybody's business and i feel that like Mm -hmm. we get put into situations where us living our truth is nobody else's business but a lot of people will judge us on things that they have no business knowing and Mm -hmm. like i do remember like those episodes on tv to be like which one was born male on like jerry springer or that's a man maury like i remember those episodes um or like my goth child or my child doesn't like is a freak or like really like discriminatory phrases that were like normalized and it's Mm -hmm. nice that like that was really what propelled me to move to the big city like i grew up small town vancouver island I moved across the country and like one of the reasons that like I wanted like a big city was so like I could stand out like I've always naturally stood out like it's just like maybe it's my behavior my mannerisms my height my intensity like something about me is Mm -hmm. always just like catches people's attention even when I'm not talking and like Mm -hmm. that can be really powerful. But at the same time, I also like to be able to like turn that feature off and disappear and like Mm -hmm. small towns, like I like to be able to some, I like if I'm having a bad day, I don't want the attention to look at me and in Mm -hmm. small towns, you don't get, you can't have a bad day. Like I don't want someone coming up to me if I'm buying toilet paper or a tampon to be like, I saw you buying toilet paper and a tampon, like yeah i i like space like give me those like space but like in a big city like mm-hmm. people like i can get everybody in the room's attention but it can also disappear and you mm-hmm. can't get that always in the small towns and i was like ugh, yeah crazy. i can
1: definitely relate to that i feel like uh, so i'm half turkish and i'm half canadian like irish scottish and uh, one of my insecurities, quite honestly, is uh, that I'm memorable. And I know that yeah. sounds like a, a strange thing to complain about, but um, people will remember me and know my name and know things about me, but I'll have no recollection of who people are. And then it. I try my best to cover it. Like, I try to, like, smile and be friendly, really? but... Mm-hmm. oftentimes I don't know who these people are or what their interactions with me were. And I remember talking to a professional about it and they said, it's not the worst burden to have for people to know you. But, but for me, it, it's quite inducing of anxiety because it's like, oh, I, want, I want to value people. I want them to be remembered as well, as well as they remember me. But that just doesn't happen. And so, I mean, I've, I have coping skills to deal with it. But, um, it's definitely a challenge as a trans person, for sure, and I don't know if all trans people experience it, but I know from my own experience, it can be a little bit, yeah, disarming.
0: Like, I have, like, I have an extremely good memory, but, like, I also have holes in my memory from, like, times that I was irresponsible, so, like, Mm -hmm. I know, like, I may know 100 details about someone, but then there's, like, Mm -hmm. one detail that I don't remember, But, also, when you have people in your life, like, you never know their intentions. And I feel like, as most trans people, we have very strong defense mechanisms, because you never know if someone's coming into your life if they have a negative intention. And Mm -hmm. it's always good to keep your guard up a little bit. It's unfortunate that we're in a situation where we have to keep our guard up a little bit. And I have so much kudos to the people that are so carefree that don't. I mean, I'm also nervous and scared for a lot of people that don't always have their guard up because bad things can happen. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I feel like it's understandable.
1: Yeah. There's this one uh, friend I have. I won't say her name, but she passes extremely well. She started hormones, I think, like in junior high. And so, uh, and like, she's undergone surgery and she's one of the loveliest people ever. But one thing that kind of, like, one of the things I kind of worry about her is that if she ever discloses if she's trans to, like, people she's hanging out with and stuff, that it might backfire. And, like, she's super passing, like, to a degree that you can't really detect which is a goal that I think a lot of trans people we like to have, like we want to pass. And so in my view, she really passes well because she started the hormones young and, and everything like that. But I just hope that like, she's not subject to people's assholishness simply because of her past or something she has no control over, which is like her biology. Like it's not her fault she came into the world with the the genetic code that she did. Yeah.
0: So I'm going to touch on two things there. First, the reason and... why if people are listening to this podcast and they're wondering like why we're not saying names It's not my job or Don's job. We're not going to be outing anybody as trans. Like, that it can be, like, really malicious and dangerous to people. I may have some of these people on in the future on my podcast that I could go back on and be like, yes, I actually, like, was talking about you on Season 2, Episode 1. But, and I can draw that connection in the future. But for right now, keeping certain people's names in the trans community's names, like, out of headlines, I think is, like... They can put people in bad situations. I mean, all as far as like, there's like also for people that aren't aware, being stealth in the trans community is kind of a term or phrase where people don't know that the person is transgender. And I think like something like for people, like from my own experience, some people don't know that I'm trans. I mean, when they hear my voice, sometimes it gives it away, sometimes it doesn't, but like it can be a blessing and a curse because it brings up a lot of questions that people want to ask that you don't always have to answer, but there is, it can be very dark for people in situations when people get mad at you for not disclosing. Despite, like, the only people that, like, I'll say this now, on a standard day-to-day life, the only people that need to know what gender, what surgeries you've had, what your body looks like, are your doctors and your intimate other. Beyond Mm -hmm. that, it's not my janitor's job, it's not the bus driver's job, it's not the taxi driver's job, it's not my dentist's job to know that I'm trans. Like, I'm there for a service and, like, That doesn't matter to anybody else but like a lot of people get mad over things Mm -hmm. that like are not their business and when it's even on like a social level it's like me being trans does not affect anything else at the table but a lot of people will get mad if that's a conversation but then that's like a whole different conversation
1: (laughs) people can be so entitled to your story and the thing yeah. that I get the most from people is, um, is I have a personal question. I have a really personal question. And sometimes these people who say they have a personal question never actually ask it because they I don't know if they're just something's holding them back. But like you can tell that they have like a pressing need to learn about it. And um, and I think um like honestly, if you meet a trans person they're extremely defensive about sharing their you know their history, their medical history.
0: um don't press it <laughs> yeah,
1: like and then like but there's gonna be open people who are trans, and there's gonna be people who are less open as trans and and just leave it at that like I'm like it's it's basically yeah, like you said, it's just your intimate others need to know and as well as your doctors or medical Mm -hmm. professionals
0: 100% and I think I wish I knew
1: that when I started because then I wouldn't really have to explain myself all the time to people like but that's okay
0: I think like people expect to know everything but it's nobody's business it's like people like people like when you take a step back and if someone's asking what your like physical genitalia looks like like that is Mm -hmm. extremely invasive but people don't think about it like they don't have boundaries and then they get mad at you when you enforce your own boundaries it's like i'm human like i'm not asking you about that like i don't need to Mm -hmm. see it mind you people want to know about mine i send them to my youtube channel to be like here you go (laughs) <laughs> and, like, that's sort of, like, I take those conversations. Yeah. But what's really interesting is... There are generally there's people that sometimes fish for information. There's, like, the curious cats that do it. Some people that want to know more in- more information about your experience may also be, like, eggs. Like, they may see themselves as trans. And they don't know how to go about transitioning, so they're very curious. And then there's also people that fetishize trans people. And I've had, I remember it was like years ago, I was assaulted by someone physically because I had surgery like they were clearly like fetishizing the idea that someone was trans and they were not happy to find out that i had bottom surgery and i was like that's definitely like very there's a lot of red flags that is a lot of red flags and like so like you don't always know like it's scary to know like people in these like that like can be like really invasive and it's like and it's wild because like i was like very candid with body that i have and i mean i have a youtube channel on my transition like i'm not shy about promoting to be like Mm -hmm. here you go like if you want to know like this is the name of my surgeon so like dr Uh, kamal
1: (laughs) in on to add to that um i've actually had my own experience um I guess it is assault, but it was, I just felt extremely violated and, um, and I, and I had, so I'm a bit naive. I give everyone benefit of the doubt. I'm very, uh, gullible in that. I believe that people say what they mean and have integrity, but, um, this one individual, um, I've known him for a while and he's got his own partner and everything. And, um, uh, I, was, I went over to his house because we were going to uh, devein shrimp and we were going to make a, a kind of a, a nice dinner. And um, when I went to his house where he and his, his girlfriend lived, I, um, he, he like violated me at the front door. And it was like, it actually took me like a number of months just to kind of like mentally recover from it because I just felt so dirty like i i felt so uncomfortable with myself even though i did, it wasn't my fault and so i had to remove him from medias i had to report him to my school because he was a regular person who attended the the school um like a, as a as a patient like he wanted his hair done and i was in hair school so yeah sometimes things get messy and people are entitled and they feel like they're entitled to your body and knowing everything about it. Uh, like, it's one thing to be open and be like, yeah, this is my journey, and these are the steps I take. But it's another to, for being harassed about it and being told, you must tell me what you have down there. You must tell me what steps you've taken, and things like that. So, And especially yeah.
0: going back to that, because as you said earlier, that you're bi in that sense. So, like, there's a lot of sense of entitlement that someone... may not even be a gender that you're attracted to Mm -hmm. assumes that you were their property and i think that is like i do want to applaud you that i think you took the right steps to report it because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff that happens that doesn't get reported and one of the benefits Mm -hmm. to reporting certain situations is that if these it could prevent it from happening to other people if it's happened to them in the past like maybe like Maybe they have a warrant for their arrest and you just like alerted the police to their location. Um, Mm -hmm. It can like change security if there's like enough calls for this kind of situation happening. It can also draw more attention to police in these areas of the city or something like this can happen. And I feel like, and it can also prevent it from happening to other people. I know that's not always like our responsibility to protect other people, but it's those like small micro changes that help can have a huge impact and I mean it can be like really hard because you know the trans community has had a lot of like there can be a lot of aggression with the police in like some places because they haven't always been allies for the trans community but mm. that is not necessarily a topic that needs to be done on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will take a minute, I feel like we only have like 30 minutes left of the podcast of like questions if you still have time. And I also do want to take a minute to shout out my sponsor of this podcast. It's my Patreon. All of the people that support my Patreon help to make it actually a reality. And if I hit my regular goals, I will be able to pay and support future guests. Because that's how I keep my internet on. And I want to thank you all for being here and supporting me. And let's get back into the podcast. Yes. Okay, so now I have some like... Less trans-related questions, but what is something related to your occupation that you wish more people knew?
1: Um, would it be okay if um, uh, I added one more thing? Uh, absolutely. To the previous discussion. Yes,
0: absolutely, absolutely.
1: So, as a bisexual transgender woman, post-op. I find that on dating apps specifically that mm-hmm. it's actually almost fetishized not yeah. not necessarily trans alone or bi alone but together it, it's like a turn on for certain kinds of men um yeah. and probably women too but for now just just the men and they'll be like oh you like women too like oh that's so hot and it's just like why are you fetishizing something that I like? Yeah, like it—it it just feels strange to me. I mean, yeah. good for them. Like they know what they like. Good for them. Like you're allowed to be attracted to what you are. But I don't know. I just—I—I I don't get why me liking women has anything to do with uh, turning men on. Like I, it's not my yeah. job to do that. But um, yeah. Anyway, sorry to. Segue yes. away from that question.
0: Um, no, I think that's a really so good point asking, that you added. Yeah. What is so you're something asking about
1: the career, right?
0: Yes, like what is something specific to your occupation that you wish more people knew about? And you had <sighs> multiple occupations, so you can pick from any of them. <laughs> um.
1: Okay, so so okay, so I was working as a beauty advisor. And, um, I think makeup artistry has, uh, a lot of different perspectives, like the way people view it and, um, uh, makeup is often overlooked as something easy or, and, and, and and honestly, it is a science and there's a lot to learn about makeup artistry, um, because, uh, like, I think there's almost some resentment around the makeup community. And I, honestly, what I, what I love about beauty is that everyone can find their own. Like, yeah. it's customizable to your eye shape, your face shape, your body, whatever. Like, anyone wanting to, to make themselves feel good. It's, a, it's like a haircut. Like, you just get so this boost of confidence. Uh, when you take care of yourself and i guess what i wish people would know is that um like beauty isn't always consistently easy you're dealing with people and you'll deal with all kinds of temperaments you'll deal with yeah you know y- specific battles to each person that you're interacting with
0: um And I'll add, so this is as Dawn working as a makeup artist at a professional level, treating clients and not just doing makeup on friends so that people understand that. Mm -hmm. Like I can relate to that so much. Like it's like the one thing I talked about this on one of my first podcast episodes is cleaning your makeup brushes, like cleaning products, like like, makeup, sanitization, is so important, like, cleaning brushes, cleaning tools, having tools, even if your work provides them, like, that is, like, a constant, like, especially in the middle of the pandemic, like, you have to keep that stuff clean, and, like, there's a lot of safeguards that are, like, you most often people don't even see that happen, it's just, it's clean for them. I'm not necessarily talking about, like, the aisles of, like, a makeup store that has, like, 500 people an hour in, like, testing things. I'm more talking about, like, the Mm -hmm. intimate settings of doing makeup on, like, people that is, like, very... Mm -hmm. We don't want to be
1: spreading dandruff or mites or (laughs) psoriasis.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Any of the good things. Um... Do you have any role models or influencers that have really, like, influenced your transition or your personal style or life?
1: So, like, um, like, fashion powerhouses that have inspired my look kind of thing? Yeah,
0: uh, like, all of, like, who is Dawn? Like, where did she come from? Like, her vision, her look? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh... Uh, uh, <clears throat> <laughs> so uh, when i
1: was growing up i used to read the globe and mail we had it yes. delivered to our house mm-hmm. uh, one of the benefits of globe and mail is that it's a not not a government-run organization so there's no mm. bias politically so people could be left of center or right didn't matter and and so for some reason that that piques my interest anyways they had a fashion section in the Globe and Mail and I always was so obsessed with it and not to mention the Calgary Herald when I was a little bopper we we had the Calgary Herald delivered to our door as well and mostly in like elementary junior high and so I was always so obsessed with fashion like hair and makeup and clothing and shoes like I always wanted to like just like soak it all in kind of thing and um so yeah, no, it's funny. I, I was going to a school that had like 4,000 people, I think. Um, oh, wow. So That's it a huge very, school. It, yeah, it was a massive school in the downtown core. And uh, and one of the students was actually an international supermodel. And I remember wow. meeting her and she was like so full of herself. But I, I ate it up. I thought it was cool. I'm like, yeah, you go, girl. Like work that confidence. And, uh, so she was like traveling the world, doing modeling and stuff while being in high school. Um, so anyways, and then, um, uh, there's another publication called Avenue Magazine, and I'm pretty sure it's Alberta and I'm pretty sure it's Calgarian. Um, and they have, um, uh, they have this one section about fashion and they would mix really really inexpensive items with humongously expensive items so they'd be wearing like a 1200 hundred dollar t-shirt and have like a five dollar bracelet or something or like i don't know and i just loved how ridiculous it was it was like fashion is about fashion it's not about the price point it's about the look and um I try, I mean, I'm a hypocrite, but I try not to wear brands and stuff because I find that then they wear you and then you're yeah. not representing the look. You're not rese- representing the pattern. You're basically advertising for some company. And I mean, look at me, I'm a, I'm a hypocrite. I've got like, a ah. book I was featured in and I'm wearing the t-shirt for it kind of thing. So, so yeah, like I'm hypocritical, but I, I love fashion and I have since I was very young. And I wish I had people I looked up to. I know that um, the person who created Joe Fresh for Superstore, and uh, he also worked for Banana Republic. I don't remember his name, but out of all the people, that's one of my influences. And last but not least, D Squared. So Okay, there's this...
0: I remember them.
1: Yeah, I, I want to tell more of the story of D Squared, but it's been a while since I've read about them. Um, and I think they're a team and i was always excited by them because they always push the envelope they push the boundaries of um you know sexuality in terms of an advertising campaign like and i remember in high school even like abercrombie would have like this giant picture of somebody's abs on like the front of their store (laughs) and i mean it worked like yeah I've had ai have a sweater from when I was in high school from Abercrombie. So those oh, are just nice. some of the the influences that I had growing up for fashion. May I ask the same to you, Monica? Do you have any? Oh, that's I, I'm, I'm not even
0: prepared for this question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like some of like who I am comes from like a lot of people in my life. I mean, ideally, like, if I had, like, the budget, like, Lucille Ball and Fran Drescher, their style to me was so picturesque. Fran Drescher from when she was on her TV show, I absolutely love. Now it's funny because I'm completely blanking (laughs) at the nanny, Mm -hmm. yes. So like she, I really loved her like story arc. I remember it was like, I think it was like 1994, 1996. There was an episode of The Nanny and they're like, who has a gay pride parade in the middle of a Calvin Klein billboard opening? And they were standing (laughs) on the subway. It was in the introduction of this movie. And at this point, like I didn't know how, like, how entertaining that would be. Mm. And, like, I thought that was, like, that to me, because, like, she was, like, really smart, but she was, like, really funny, and, like, she just made things happen, but she had this, like, look to her that was, like, very picturesque. And, like, it was, like, there was so many layers of what she looked like that I was like, oh, this is, like, really cool. Um. Mm -hmm. I think, like, that was something that, like, I really took apart. Um... Some, I don't really have many, like, trans role models, but I do have, like, so much, like, heart to a lot of the trans people that really, like, walk the walk before, like, I did, like, have that, like, Manta Lepore, I think, was, like, one of those, like, people because she was Mm -hmm. so, like, picturesque, so, like she really influenced like her body her look to me was something that i really aspired to be to like some degree because she was so like over the top like i would love to have more work done not to her level but i thought she was like really pretty because like it's also again like her style like you could also see like that new york influence of the nanny that she had it's like there's a lot of like pencil skirts fitted clothing but like so well done that it looks kind of, like, classy in, like, a way that, like, I really like. But, like, it's not, like... It's not, like... To me, like, I'm sad because, like, my own answer to, like, what inspires me is, like, so small. But, like... That's
1: okay! Maybe we should explore it in another video when our minds (sighs) have had time to process the question. I just, like...
0: It's a really important question to ask, but I feel like... I also feel like my mom inspires me, like, she really gave me, and it's really kind of weird, um, they didn't necessarily, like, one of my exes from when I was, like, 19, um, they were really meticulous about how they lived, and, like, I was still, like, developing my behaviors and my, like, routines, and they were so meticulous with everything they did, like, from, like, cleaning to organizing to like absolutely if like if I thought of like five ways to do something they would think of 20 and like mm. their level of like everything that they would do would be like 200% and so like I would be, I would accept the 70% they would deliver 200 and like so like for me like even for people watching like if you see how my like podcast is organized from like the behind the scenes like I have an attention to detail that I have that really for people that are watching I don't you can't even unfortunately you can't see what I see when I am like recording this but like the attention to detail that I have set up with my podcast to the attention to detail mm-hmm. that I have with my website because we have a website queerculture.com I made that yesterday like I did it like in the morning I have like so many things like the attention to detail in what i do i think i kind of really like take in but i hope that from the role models that i've had i want it to be able to inspire other people i want people to learn from something to like take something from it and i think that's like what i've been given and, like, I've, like, learned is to, like, take something in and then find out how I can, like, give it back. I feel like that's mm-hmm. kind of, like, it's learned influence, I guess. But, like, I want to just be able to give everything back that I've learned through, like, watching and being around other people that don't always that have a That sounds name. a
1: little bit like paying it forward.
0: Yeah, always.
1: Yeah. Always. That's cool. There's actually two more influences of fashion that I wanted to share with you. That, yes. And, um... So there's this one, I'm pretty sure she's from Germany and she's a drag queen. And her handle is, Is She Hungry? Yes, and, I've heard. Um, they're talented. Mm-hmm. Yes. So talented. Her work is so unusual, so futuristic, one of a kind. Like it, it, it's just so inspiring to me. And the other one, the other thing that I grew up in, inspired by was this. It's probably the strangest website I ever came across in my life. And it's called Kctv.co.uk. And it's like a mixture of nudity and weird sounds and um strange fashion choices, really colorful chromatic videos and photographs. Yes. Yeah. And it was it's so bizarre. You'll look at it and be like, What is that? Like it was so bizarre, and like every couple of years, I like I'm curious to know if the website's still there, and then I'll like go check it out, and it's still just as weird as it was the last time I had checked. So, um,
0: so yeah. there was a conceptual artist in the '90s, I think '80s and '90s, called Leah Bowery or Lee Bowery. <laughs> I yeah yeah yeah. May I'm terribly apologetic if I pronounced the name wrong. But they were one of those people that... They were around in the era of like Party Monster and like a New York club kid. But I also think they were also from like England or like... They had a very interesting story that I'm not fully familiar with. But they had very avant-garde pieces, looks. They did a lot of performance art as well. And like they... I don't even know how they identified, but mm-hmm. they had very unique pieces and were a like very strong influence on like queer culture in the early days, like mm-hmm. 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. Which I, did you, you were familiar with them as well, I believe, yes? Yeah, right.
1: Lee Bowery, sadly, I'm gonna be real i only heard of lee bowery from rupaul's drag race yeah um i don't actually have any recollection previously to watching rupaul's drag race so i'm not the best person to ask but definitely the concepts concepts that they created are so similar to the the website i was telling you about uh definitely a european club kid vibe yeah strange bizarre yeah but avant-garde futuristic cool those kinds of things yeah yes
0: so if my memory is right rupaul's drag race one of like the famous drag queens that was around the same time as rupaul was named lady bunny and they did wig stock which was and i think it was in new york i think it was like a wig style drag event and i think it was like the 90s or the Yeah. Something like that, and I think Lee Bowery was one of the performers at that event. And Mm -hmm. there may be footage on YouTube of them doing some of their performance pieces, which is so cool. But I love that, like, Couture, Club Kid, avant-garde, elegant, but, like, makes you look, Mm -hmm. makes you, like, change your perspective on situations, Mm -hmm. like, which I think is really cool. Um, Yeah, me too. What is one thing that you wish was free? Oh, like, transition yeah, transition related or just um, anything? just just in life transition life.
1: So I have so I have two propositions. One is a little bit left socialist, and one is just personal. So I'll start with the personal one. The yes. the one thing I wish was free, and. I... I know the expression is like, give an inch and they take a mile. But I really wish that uh, breast augmentation for male to females in Canada was free. Because the top surgery for the opposite is free, meaning like tax paid. Um, And so I really wish that breast, because I think, I'm not saying that breast would magically turn me into this feminine goddess. But I feel like it would help. And uh, in terms of what else I wish was free, um, and I'm sorry to get lengthy here, but um, um, I wish there was a universal basic income um, for, for youth who are just trying to get started because I feel like to get your foot in the door in life, you need experience. But if you don't have experience, like it's this catch 22. So yeah. I... I guess what I'm saying is I it's not that I'm trying to promote like my political platform or something like that. I just mean I see my friends struggle with money. I see them struggle with trying to save and move forward. I see them struggle even if they're working full time trying to buy some kind of condo. And I just wish there was like a universal basic income so people don't have to like freak out when they get lose their job, yeah. freak out when they are you know laid off or whatever and it's just uh, that's those are the two things i wish was oh i agree That I wish was accommodated for I... also, also one last little thing is education i know that it's a messy subject but i oh, really I wish secondary was funded i mean um paid for by
0: taxpayers i agreed to that as well and, like, if you're lucky, we do have student loans, but you still have to pay mm-hmm. those back, and they usually don't cover the full cost of your education. It's, like, it gives you, like, mm-hmm. 70%, and then you still have to do, like, your mm-hmm. cost of living on top of that. And if you go abroad for your education, then, like, you are in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I'm just going to really... And read... then there's the
1: interest, too. Like, yeah. you don't just get a student loan. The loan you pay a lot of interest so like the government is making lots of money off of the people who are trying to better themselves academically and career-wise too so i don't know or at least just get rid of the interest on on the loans like let people learn don't like give
0: people reasons
1: not to educate themselves you know
0: I do have, I think, three more questions before I end my podcast. So we're almost there. I also want to thank all the people that are listening on Spotify or Google. And if you want to find me online after you listen to it, I'm on QueerCultured.com if you get lost and want to try to find me. But the final three questions, do you have any life hack or tip or trick with hair or makeup as you went to school and you have a background in that as well. Mm-hmm. And if we cover this on your YouTube channel earlier when we filmed our like collab video, but I want to bring yeah. that back here because that's something that I really like to talk about as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Honestly, I wish there, I mean, I'm sure it's out there and I'm just ignorant, but I, I would love to read a magazine that was like tips and tricks, but for makeup and hair. Um I actually learned a trick recently. I don't know if it was a short I was watching on Instagram or if it was something on Facebook, but apparently if you take your brush and you and you want to have hair like strokes, you like pinch it like before you apply the product, you pinch it and then you can create like more natural looking hair like strokes when you're doing like your eyebrow. Um so that's like the life hack that happens to be on the tip of my mind i'm i'm sure i have plenty but that's one of them
0: i think that's a really good tip for like doing like the drawn brow effect Mm -hmm. it doesn't get done Mm -hmm. enough i think like a lot Mm -hmm. of like i like a lot of like the intersections between like Drag and trans makeup. I feel there's a lot of like overlap, and now that a lot of like makeup techniques that you've been using for like almost a decade are now in mainstream culture, and Mm -hmm. I love seeing those things to be like, okay, okay, I love that. Feels
1: good. Even even some seeing something as simple as a snatched nose where people apply highlighter to the very top um, yeah. ridge of the nostril, the nose, sorry. Like, I, I get excited by things like that because it means that, like, people are immersed in culture. They're interested in in, the, in how we are as a collective. The other hack, it's not really a hack, but it's kind of more of, like, uh, me putting my foot down. I think sunscreen is one of the best things you can do for yourself. Because the reason why I have um, motivation for it because my grandma used to get skin cancer on her face and she had to get like pieces of her face cut out, you know, from, yes. from getting sun cancer. So like my biggest hack of all hair, makeup and skin is, or fragrance even, is to wear sunscreen. Yes. Because you, it's not fun to have your face numbed and then cut open and all that kind of fun stuff. So definitely wear sunscreen is kind of like a priority and I think people think that's only for summer or by the pool but it's like no just just every
0: day I'm going to chime in and also say that wearing sunscreen is not only for white people I don't know who needs Mm -hmm. to hear this but all skin (laughs) colors all ethnicities need to wear sunscreen and if someone's like i have melanin i don't need sunscreen you do like everybody mm-hmm. does like it's a common
1: misconception and yeah. i feel bad for people who refuse to wear sunscreen because they think they don't need it like just do it for your own sake You're it's like cancer is inevitable cancer happens yeah. to a lot of people and it's a big c word like um and then sun spots
0: dry skin premature aging wrinkles loss of firmness like i have pigmentation hyperpigmentation right there you can you may or may not be able to see it but like there's like a little bit of a dark spot because I got sunburned like 10 years ago and i do wear sunscreen so it's like it is so important that I'm very glad that it's only isolated on like a very small section of my face mm-hmm. that's covered by my hairline, but like that is Monica, so important.
1: do you have a life hack that you wanted to share with the viewers um, today? I have, I have
0: many of them, but I will say I can kind of get started. Cleaning makeup brushes is something I'm passionate about. And like if you take a cup, cup, I have a cup here. Pour it with isopropyl alcohol, I use 99%, some people use 70, that's fine. Pour it up halfway to like the rim, put your brush in, have a towel down or paper towel. So when I get ready, I have a paper towel or like a hand towel on my desk in front of me. So when I'm done with my eyeshadow, get it wet and then I can dry it off and remove the color and then it dries almost instantly because alcohol dries, like it evaporates so quickly and I've done a video on this on my YouTube channel, but being able to clean your brushes really fast preserves the life of them and makes them last, cleans them, hygienic, and a thing like that is being able to clean your brushes really fast helps you like keep a clean workstation, keeps a clean makeup bag, keeps a clean kit. And it makes your makeup even faster, too, because you don't need to stop. And if you're using a cream product, you don't want to have your cream product dry up and get crusty and then take you longer the next time you need to get ready. So like that is like one hack. I'm sure I'll probably ask this question a lot, but that is one of my like life hacks is clean your product. And it is really easy to do it. And like one of these things lasts me like this is like a five dollar isopropyl alcohol probably lasts me like four months of like daily makeup cleaning so like 15 dollars a year and i can clean my makeup brushes every day which is like and i wear a lot of makeup like every day so it's like Mm -hmm. that is i think one of my life hacks and i think my my final i think my like final question is what do you want to be known for like, your legacy. hmm I guess that can be, like, uh, short-term or long-term, because, like, I don't want yeah. that to be daunting. I'm not manifesting so anything toxic. this is, talk-
1: like... <laughs> this is so vague and so minimalistic, but I want to be remembered for being good. Yes. That's, that's literally true. it. I, that's the legacy I want. I want people to be like, oh, yeah, Dawn, yeah, she's good. <laughs> like, yeah, it's... that's literally what i want like that's literally my objective in life so
0: yeah she yeah. is good i think that, that's really like pure and yeah. i feel like my last question i think i may have got track who would you like to see on my podcast if there's someone that i interviewed oh. oh i want to
1: have an amazing answer just just the moment. Oh, you should um interview Stephanie Bright.
0: Stephanie Bright. Oh, that'd be interesting. I've known them mm-hmm. for a hot minute. I think almost like thirteen yeah. years. I think.
1: I think I think we know each other through Stephen. Oh, sorry, uh, Stephanie, Stephanie Bright. Bright.
0: Yes. Yeah. They're a beautiful. Because I think she's
1: done. She's done well for herself. She's a comedian and has a channel and everything made some steps as a woman. So I think yes. that'd be kind of cool. It'd be nice to see some, like, a different perspective, like, you presenting Stephanie Bright. Like, I think that would be really neat to see.
0: Oh, that'd be interesting. And or then... Miss Damon.
1: Or Miss Damon.
0: Maybe. That may happen as well. Um, but I think that is all of my questions for this interview and in the future you may come back if you like and go over a few questions maybe we'll have some things like usually when i'm done recording i always go back and i'm like i forgot to ask this question i forgot to ask this question and i want to talk about this i want to go deeper in this but again thank you so much for being here and hopefully you'll be around When this video goes live, to reply to people in the comments if there are any. Hopefully there are lots, and Mm -hmm. I will have your YouTube and your socials linked in the video description. Thank you so much for your time, and I'm just going to finish off, and yeah, perfect, so just one moment. And I want to thank everybody for being here, for watching me, for listening to this podcast, supporting me on YouTube. And if you're watching on Spotify, I hope you liked it. We're still learning some of our audio issues and hopefully you enjoyed. And we will be back next week with another podcast. If you want to be a future guest, go to our website, Queerculture.com. And if you're watching on YouTube, comment in the description, go to our website. And thank you to all of our Patreon supporters for supporting me and making this podcast possible. Your contributions on Patreon make me be able to do what I do. So thank you so much for being here, and until my next video, bye for now.